Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Yes, that's the smooth sounds of Smokey Robinson leading us into a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Starting with a banger. I like yeah. it. I really just was like, I I, ha- I I would let this whole thing play, in all honesty. Yeah, you, you could do it, honestly. There's going to be one day where I put on a song that I love so much that I'm just going to let it roll and see how long it takes for someone to say, Brian... <laughs> But it's just going to be an Irish folk song, because that's who you are. <laughs> that is 100% who I am. It will be either The Wind That Shakes the Barley or Foggy Dew. <laughs> Look forward to it, ladies and gentlemen. We also have Bill Graham. Huh? What? What's going on? <laughs> Bill Graham, who is just receiving a pizza at his front door when I called to him. <laughs> oh, boy. And a special guest today for the madness, we have Max O'Connell. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you today, Max? I'm doing great. Has this podcast thus far in the first minute and a half lived up to your expectations? Oh, it's exceeded them uh, in, in all uh, always. Fantastic. We we live to serve and to deliver on the promise that is appearing on the film stage. <laughs> uh, why don't you uh, do us a favor, introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit about you, who you are and what you do. Uh, sure. Hey, my name is Max. I uh, am a freelance film critic uh, living in Chicago. I uh, write for RogerEbert.com and uh, occasionally the film stage and also uh, have written for other places like the Rapid City Journal in South Dakota. All right. Excellent. And now you've crowned off all those achievements by appearing on the film stage show. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to take your seat at the table. Uh, here we are today to talk about the movie Joker. The newest film from Hangover director Todd Phillips, co-written by Phillips and Scott Silver, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and a bevy of other actors of varying levels of quality. Cool whip. Cool whip, yes. <laughs> Before we get into that, the usual stuff, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Find us on iTunes, give us a comment and rating, and email us your long-form thoughts at podcast at thefilmstage.com. Go to patreon.com, become a patron of this show, patreon.com slash the film stage show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel, where we were talking about not award season stuff today, but something very close to it, which I still take umbrage with, even though apparently the first screeners are, in fact, in the mail. So it's award season, baby. Get ready. What better way to kick off award season than the movie that everyone's saying might get nominated for best actor, Joker. Uh, other than that, movie is also our sponsor. It's mubi.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial. Movie is the streaming site where every day their curators bring you a brand new film to watch and enjoy. What have we got going on now? Today's movie is is uh is quite a title. <laughs> Death laid an egg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is part of their what is an auteur series, 
um, with a director whose name I do not feel comfortable trying to pronounce. <laughs> it looks like Julio Kesti. Really waiting for someone to correct deeply, me. Deeply, I'm deeply offended if I was Italian. I am Italian. I just, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, the the other the other the other <laughs> the other movie from uh, Julio is um, also awesomely titled mm-hmm. "It's Django Kill." If you live, shoot. I'm gonna read the synopsis <laughs> for that one. A half-breed bandit who was double-crossed and left for dead seeks his revenge, which leads him to a bizarre town called The Unhappy Place, where he is plunged into an odyssey of gruesome torture, graphic violence, and relentless sexual depravity. This is a film from 1967 oh, half, Italy. Half, half-breed means that he's a mutant, right? That's that's what that means? <laughs> yes, Bill, I'm sure that's what it means. Not because, because they didn't have... Movie. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they didn't have the X-Men rights, so they couldn't call him... Mu- like mutants, so they had to say half breed, right? Right, or metahuman, right? or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> clearly Still. what that 1960s Italian film was going for. <laughs> um, also, uh, favorite of the podcast, Dario Argento has a movie on Mubi right now. It's Cat O' Nine Tales. A newspaper reporter and a retired blind journalist try to solve a series of killings connected to a pharmaceutical company's experimental top secret research projects, and in so doing. Both become targets of a killer. But does it have a goblin soundtrack? Probably not. Well, then it's bullshit. <laughs> There's another Giallo masterpiece from Dario Argento, who we previously did a classic episode on. His movie, Suspiria. It's awesome. Anyway, there's a lot of great stuff on movie for your free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Cat and Nine Tales does have a soundtrack from Ennio Morricone, as was legally required in the early 70s in all Italian films. <laughs> they just locked that poor man in a soundstage and were just like, get working. I like it. I like it. He was pumping out scores before the movie was even done. <laughs> the human, what are they? The human duty-free shop. Just like coming to pick up your score. Anyway, here we are, ready to talk about Joker. No definite article. The newest film, again, from Hangover director Todd Phillips. This movie stars Joaquin Phoenix. It is a gritty period twist on the classic DC comic villain. And, uh, yeah, it is out in theaters now. It broke the record for the highest grossing October release this past weekend. Despite being rated R and only featuring Joker... It surpassed the opening weekend of Justice League, which lets you know where we are as a society and also exactly how bad Justice League was. How much are we going to say the word society today? Just like in a little tilted voice. Uh, Should I start like a tally of every time that we say society? We live in a society? Hold on, wait. That's what? That's four now? That's four so far. He's he's like punching up the numbers at the not fair one two three four societies that's five okay so (laughs) every time someone says society six i'm gonna make a note we'll see where we get we'll see how long i remember to do this uh so here we go uh this is the trailer for joker society arthur (laughs) does it help to have someone to talk to My mother always tells me 
to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. just me or is it getting crazier out there all right so that's the trailer for joker like i said out in theaters now director todd phillips starring joaquin phoenix as the titular joker or as he goes for most of the film arthur fleck struggling stand-up comedian and clown for hire who is struggling his way through a city gone mad and eventually uh, does some stuff. Uh, so usual stuff. We're going to do the basic reactions first and then get into spoilers later. Let us begin with our guest. Max, what did you think of Joker? Uh, well, I went in expecting to enjoy the Phoenix performance and not enjoy the film. And that's more or less what I got. I think uh, Phoenix is like, kind of unique in like among actors today in that he has this ability to take even the most mannered characters and make it seem like if not naturalistic then at very least like plausible uh and he um i I think he manages that in a way that really the rest of the film doesn't like the rest of it is like this kind of junky thriller in in 70s 80s character study drag and uh i don't think phillips really has the chops to pull off half of what he's attempting here all right very calm, measured response. Michael Snydell. What are yeah, your thoughts I, on Joker? You know, I, I guess what I'm wrestling with is uh, it, it's not the quality of this film, but it's it's whether I am playing into this movie's hands by getting mad at it. <laughs> and I guess like I, I don't I think this is a pretty bad film. I, I think it's a it's bad as entertainment. I think it's bad as a film trying to be about larger subjects. But I I also like on, on some level, I think this this is toxic, not as anything about violence, not as anything about like uh, subliminal messaging, but rather as just being like one of the laziest most cynical like blockbusters we've had in in years and it like it just it on a certain level i just i find it really depressing to have all of these talented people around a director who doesn't have a a vision who, who seems to have all of these talented people i mean max already mentioned Joaquin Phoenix, if anything, Joaquin Phoenix's performance to me, which I, I think is 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 fine, it, it it continually points out to me how much the rest of the film is lacking. Um and when you try to combine the way this movie tries to prop up really big ideas and the ways that it takes shortcuts to arcs, like the the political reality of this movie not outside the theater but inside the uh, the context of the film is like that things are really bad and that it only takes you know uh, a single you know event to you know light the whole thing ablaze and that is was never once convincing to me 
And you combine that with the the kind of drag and costuming that um, that Max kind of referred to already, and it just like I found this very irritating when I wasn't like actively bored with it. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about the violence is like if you have seen a slasher before any slasher, whether you want to talk about this millennium or the, the eighties heyday or or, sorry, late seventies, eighties heyday. Like you have seen violence like this. You have seen uh, sympathizing with characters who are bad people. Like the whole idea that this seems revelatory, even within a superhero rapper is, is very confusing to me. And I think I'm already giving it too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got through without blacking out and screaming. So yeah, that's no, good. I know. I know. <laughs> Been nursing you through like a low grade nervous breakdown no, all weekend on Slack. You have a little bit, just, just a little tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was afraid this is going to be another mother, but I think I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. All right. Bill we have a guess. So you know, <laughs> we do. So if you walk off, we don't have to look for someone else. <laughs> oh, me? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I guess I'm I'm not sure where Brian's going to fall on this, but I might end up being one of the defenders of this movie and even I don't really want to defend it that much. Um it's already made its money. It doesn't need a whole lot of defending to be honest with you. Um people are going to fall where they're going to fall on this film. I think it's definitely going to be a it's it, it is a little bit of a Rorschach test. Um mainly in how much cinema you kind of uh end up ingesting and whether you like your cinema to be kind of poppy or whether you like it to be a little bit more something to chew on um this thinks it has something to chew on but it ends up just being a lot of pop art in how much it imitates and mimics um some of Scorsese of, of among others um but I think Phillips is is knowing about that and the film still looks really fucking good um which and apparently like it uses the cinematographer from The Hangover still so I guess it, well done um <laughs> he's he's glowed up for sure whoever that cinematographer is I More assume it's sure I He's assume a cinematographer. Yeah, I'm not sure he, okay, people keep talking shit about The Hangover. I watched that like two months ago. It's not a bad looking movie. I, it's just not something that you would ex- look like. These these cinematographers gotta gotta earn a paycheck, and I'm sure he made a pretty penny on that one um, down the line. Because you know, if he if he stuck around for two and three, then he's probably getting getting a decent cut of that. Um, but no. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, Phoenix's performance is fantastic, but I mean, honestly, if you've seen him in a lot of the other stuff lately, uh, whether it's the Paul and Thomas Anderson movies or whether it's something like you were never really here, which like I did not like as a movie, but his performance is fantastic in that. And yeah, 
you know, maybe he lost 52 pounds to play this specific role. Sure. Um, he dances in his underwear at a couple of times, which is both disconcerting because he's in tidy whities, but also disconcerting because he has a rib cage that goes for miles that would give, um, what's the dude from, uh, star Wars a run for his money. Um, what? anyways, <laughs> the, the guy with the, 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 no, Solo. What's his name? Ben Solo. Oh, Ben Solo. Oh, Adam Driver? Oh. Yeah, Adam Driver. <laughs> but you can't yeah. see his ribs beneath the mattress that he's smuggling <laughs> against his chest. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think... I thought you meant the, uh, the mechanical, multi-armed... General Grievous? Oh, General Grievous. <laughs> Where you could no. see his heart? Because I was like, yeah, yeah that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. He too seems I was, emaciated. I was trying to figure out what minor character is he talking about? No, a major character. Oh, Sorry. Also, love that you call him Ben Solo and not Kylo Ren. Well, that's that's as much as I could remember of his You name. remembered his Christian name, but not his <laughs> supervillain moniker? Yes, indeed. That's That's... That's the world we live in now. I remember Ben Solo, not not whatever his other name. Kylo kind of Ren. <laughs> I'm not even a Star Wars fan. Come on. <laughs> uh, anyways, as I look at my Star Wars posters in my room right now. Um, oh anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I think this film kind of knows what it's trying to be, and I think Phillips is intelligent enough to throw a little bit of a haymaker in that he can basically write off the like whether you think this film makes sense or whether you think this film really kind of like gloms onto any actual concrete ideas he can just be like yeah but it's the joker bro (laughs) and so like you know that's that's certainly an argument um, does it make a whole lot of sense? No, probably not. Um, but I, I wasn't expecting to like this film as much as I ended up. And still, I think this film is at times hot garbage. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know, like it, hot garbage when it burns, it certainly has a distinct and, uh, you know, odor that you would never forget. And that's kind of what this right. Standing next to a dumpster fire is a memorable experience. Exactly. (laughs) You know, plenty of backyard fires have come and gone, and never shall I remember them. But the one time my friends and I lobbed a Molotov cocktail into the dumpster behind the Goodwill, you know, Mm. (laughs) and you know, if Goodwill is throwing that out, who boy? All right. Pretty much, yeah. Bill, you broke me. <laughs> I wasn't broken. <clears throat> now I'm broken. But the funny thing is that you got broken because he couldn't remember Kylo Ren. <laughs> ben Solo. You just described it as a dumpster fire. That wasn't that bad. Here's the thing. I feel like maybe we, you know, Max, love you. Great. You're a wonderful guy. I feel like maybe we should have found someone who is actually enthusiastic about this movie. Nah. Because I feel like we're about to get those emails that we get whenever we all agree on something from people who don't agree with us. Um, La La Land springs to mind. Max, we're the only three people who all hated La La Land. 
I didn't hate no, it. No, no, I, no. I, I don't. I okay. want to. I want to go ahead and preempt that. I did not hate this movie as much as I hated La La Land. <laughs> okay. Well, that. I guess, Bill. On that point, you and I are in agreement. <laughs> okay. I still didn't that's, that's like this I, movie. I yeah. think I'd give this two and a half to three stars. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, you know, but it's pretty in that way that like you're not creating your own style. You're cribbing from someone else. And like if a dupe is willing to pay money for a fake Van Gogh, you know, that was made 20 years ago by some huckster, you know, what what, what is art, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like there's a certain Brian, it's 2019. You have to make a deep fake joke. Come on. <laughs> OK, yeah. Uh, uh, if, a, if an AI software gives me Paul Rudd turning into someone else i don't remember oh wait that was that was bill Hader turning into tom cruise Uh, at least i remember kylo ren's name anyway this movie like it looks it looks good i will say that it looks good it it is a like i like the colors i like the camera angles they make excellent use of that it has to be famous stairway that's that i think is in a walk among the tombstones Michael, as someone about the not the Exorcist stairway. No, the Exorcist stairway is in DC. I drive by that on my way to work every day. You're saying it's the walk among the tombstones stairs. Yeah, like when he when he in the opening when he kills those two guys and he's like dancing up the stairs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that that in my mind, like that's a famous staircase. I got to figure out where that is. Um, it's fascinating that that scene might last decades <laughs> like that image seems like it's already imprinted upon this year of him of him uh the joker dancing on the stairs yes right yes. i i will still always think of it first and foremost as liam neeson drunkenly trotting up the <laughs> stairs being like i killed the bad guys only to discover the terrible thing that he also did uh no spoilers <laughs> for walk among the tombstones that movie is sacrosanct so better movie <laughs> it's a great movie yeah just Scott- Let's get Scott Frank's Joker. Let's do this over again. Look, Scott Frank, oh. I I fucking love that guy. If you want to turn yeah. this whole podcast, like <laughs> starting right now and going for two hours into the Scott Frank podcast, I'm down for it. We could talk about Minority Report. We could talk about Walk Among the Tombstones. We could talk about The Lookout. We could talk about Logan. We could talk about Godless. I'm here for all of it. <laughs> oh, Brian, we're talking about Joker. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So, but here's the thing, and I explained it thusly to a friend of mine who said, um, I was really looking forward to that movie. And I said, I wouldn't. And she said, well, why? And I said, you know, the cinematography is good. The directing is is an aping of a better style, but it is, you know, a fairly effective aping. It's not as good as the original, but it's not as bad as some of the other stuff we get in superhero films. And Joaquin Phoenix is not capable of giving a boring performance, but it is so much spice on so little bread that it just becomes annoying at some point <laughs> to see all of this this extra stuff piled on top of something so flimsy. And that becomes a problem for me, especially when this movie... It's, Yields, so, it's so we talked, we, we talked last week about In the Shadow of the Moon and um, the weird politics of that movie. And this movie can't even commit to the weird, damaging politics of In the Shadow of the Moon. <laughs> it goes very far out of its way to try to be apolitical. It cribs from both right-wing and left-wing terroristic talking points. 
And it has a main character who openly says that he is apolitical, which is fine because the Joker is sort of like, that's his point. He's an anarchaic agent of chaos. But what what's really weird to me is that this is just a bad Joker movie <laughs> character wise. And it's also just a bad movie that's trying to be about society and what it does to people <laughs> and how it treats the mentally ill and all this other stuff. And the way that like the poor and disenfranchised react to being talked down to by the rich and like being abandoned. And I walked out of the movie and I was like, there's nothing there. There's no statement. I don't know how people can find this dangerous because it's not even nihilistic. It's not even, we need to tear it all down to build it up again. It's just nonsense. (laughs) And the dark Knight rises a movie that is, I believe unfairly maligned in most corners of the internet does a lot more dangerous, bold things with its whole story than this movie ever gets to. And so, yeah, I don't understand the fear. I don't understand the initial positive reactions. I don't understand Michael Moore writing a 2,000-word Facebook post about this movie. Wait, it's 2,000 words? I don't know. I didn't count it. It was really long, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I just like this movie. But, like, again, in the in the annals of comic book movies, which are very rarely about something in a meaningful way almost every movie it like by its nature has to be about something but they very rarely do it well you know so like i would say that like captain america civil war is about the clashing of ideals but those ideals are so poorly drawn (laughs) and so shallowly constructed and so narrowly brought down to just like these two guys like basically arguing about bros before hoes and don't hurt my dad that it doesn't end up really saying much of anything. And this movie is more of the same, but it at least has texture and uh, has an interesting central performance, even though this is something that, you know, Joaquin Phoenix has done before better in other places. So like, it's weird. It's weird to me because like, you know, I walked into this movie thinking like, Oh, we're going to have to have a talk about, I don't know, terrorism and incels and, lone wolf angry white males shooting up malls but like this movie doesn't touch on any of that it's it's all it's all it's the same issue that i had with endgame and it's dealing with like grief and depression and people being like isn't it wonderful that we have this superhero movie that's willing to deal with these things in a realistic way but it's not it's using the aesthetic trappings in order to to sell itself as serious when really it's still just a stupid fucking movie yeah, but I I think the difference to, between Endgame and this for me, and Endgame again, it was like the mildest positivity. It's like it's that Endgame. I know that you have a problem with its treatment of grief, or, or but like this props up on mental illness. Like it's it really thinks that it's dealing with something serious about the dsm like it's it's ridiculous that this is trying to be about poverty and what it's like to be antisocial for the first like hour before it decides oh hey remember you're in a superhero origin movie like it's this bothered me so much more than than so many other superhero movies. I mean, even when you look at R-rated superhero movies, like the Deadpools and Kick-Asses and... Yeah, Kick-Ass. Like those movies, like at least they have the decency to not act like they're 
Like they're saying something great. There's not a constant narcissism in the filmmaking. There's not a sense of ego that's like it's not just borrowed. It's like it's it's built on like castles of sand. Like the ways in which Arthur Fleck, like the ways in which his non-existent it's it's unfair to call it an arc like it's not an arc it's the the way his his character experiences things was like it, it that was like insulting and and felt offensive to me in a way that so many of these other superhero films even though they're so many of them are homages these days like they're they feel secondhand, but they don't feel like they're that they don't feel like they're trying to base it in some dangerous reality. Like there's something so shitty about that to me. Right, I, I'm, I'm curious, Max. Do you feel similar to to anything that we're saying right now? <laughs> I, I I yeah. I'm actually going to second something uh, that Mike Mike just got into. Uh, like it does feel both secondhand and very much like a cartoon version of like someone's experiences of say mental illness or, or uh, poverty and so on and so forth. Honestly, the film that it made me think of in terms of like depictions of New York and in this roughly this era, it wasn't taxi driver, King of comedy. It was precious. Like that Lee Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that. Yeah. Like it, because it just, it throws, everything at him like because it, it's not an okay so for precious it's not enough that she's poor and that she's living with an abusive mother who's an awful welfare queen racist stereotype it's that she's been sexually abused it's that she's illiterate oh by the way she has a child that has a disability she also has aids like like it just it nothing is enough and everything must be done to just absolutely punish her for some sort of just completely I feel like inauthentic representation of, of, of what pain is. And Joker mm-hmm. honestly feels like just the comic book version of that, where it's not enough that Marth Arthur like lives in poverty with his mother who's doing poorly. It's that he, she, I mean, he's, he's uh, like this unsuccessful comedian. He's this party clown who everyone hates at work. Um, <laughs> it's that he gets fired the same day he gets fired. He gets accosted by wall street people. He gets beaten up in the opening scene by a bunch of, of street kids. Like, I mean, it's just like, at a certain point, I was just like, how much do you need to pile onto this guy to, for me to like, to, to make me believe that you care about him? Because I know you don't. Right. And that's, that's one of the crazy, because like mm. people coming into this were like taxi driver, or king of comedy. And like, even in taxi driver and stuff, like he, Bickle had like friends, you know, he, he was able to successfully ask a woman out on a date and she seemed to like him in some way before he took her to a porno theater. Like a lot of the shit that he goes through is his own doing. And in this movie, poor little Arthur, like can't try to buy a donut without someone coming, (laughs) shanking him and taking his wallet and the donut. Like it's, and I'm sure that there is a deleted scene. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just kind of crazy because like, you know, it, it's maybe there are people whose entire life is nothing but tragic bullshit happening to them all the time, in which case I probably shouldn't use the word bullshit. But it's just it's just hard for me to look at this movie and go like, 
you're giving him nothing. And and if there's no light that he could be reaching towards, then this fall doesn't mean as much. Mm. You know, the most tragic part of a lot of the stories of people who fall from grace and do terrible things is are the people who say, like, I knew him and we were friends and like, I don't know why he didn't reach out or, you know, I, I like things of that nature. But this movie, it just becomes almost like comical the extent to which he is bludgeoned by life to the point where when he is in a moment of like profound confusion and is getting answers that he doesn't want from someone he has accosted and that person punched him in the face, I left. <laughs> because I was like, oh, you just couldn't figure out how to write this scene. And so you're like, well, I don't know, what if he hits him? <laughs> because everyone hits him. You know? It's, sure. uh, it's, we can it's get crazy. into uh, that specific character for sure. I do want to mention that I think <clears throat> that we're not giving this film enough credit in a way that would have to delve into spoilers. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, do we think people are actually going to listen to this podcast with either a intentions of seeing it or b intentions of not seeing it? So they want to like actually listen to us talk about like everything that happens. I don't know. That's a good question. I, um, I sometimes wonder who listens to this podcast. Sure. And I get, you know, we get tweets from people. We have Patreon subscribers who, who talk to us in our Slack channel. And, you know, they'll say, I just saw the movie. I'm so excited to listen to the podcast. And it seems like there is a subset of people with whom we are a one-sided friendship and they just like hearing us talk. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we we give them information about a movie and maybe we like vindicate something or make them think about something in another way. And then there's all the people who will find this podcast because like, I love Joker. <laughs> Can't wait to mm-hmm. hear more good takes on Joker. Mm-hmm. And then they will listen to the first 12 minutes and rage quit and then they're the people who will know that we are talking shit and will listen to be mad at us i i'm sure i'll get a lot of uh mentions about my uh my kylo ren confusion oh I'm yeah sure you're that, hitting that, all the fan bases right yeah, now that won't that won't piss anybody off that i called him ben solo well okay bill i i, I think I, I, yeah, I don't want this to totally be a power. I, I, I mean, as someone who is, you know, you have been one of our, our champions for superhero films on this. I, I mean, did you find this solely as a superhero origin film? Did you find this satisfying? Or were as you happy with this? As a superhero film, this is not satisfying. A, because what they do to Thomas Wayne is absolute slander. B, because this is not what you want out of a film called Joker. Like, you don't want Joker's origin story. And that, and so all of that is all fraught to begin with, right? And And that's all... You know, that's fandom being like, well, that's that's not right. Like you you can't give Joker a first name. And that goes back to like the first Batman, right? Right. Like, the, uh, the Jack Nicholson up. one. Yeah. People were like, what, who the fuck is this Jack Napier guy? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you have him kill, you know, Martha and, and Thomas Wayne. And then people are like, well, but that's that's not that's not how it goes. And, you know, I, I don't want to get like too into the weeds and that kind of shit, because that's, that's not what I'm saying about this movie. Um, I just find it that this, this movie was formulated 
uh, backwards, right? He had the idea mm. of what he wanted to make this movie or w- what he wanted to make as a movie. And then he realized smartly, right? Uh, you know, $98 million opening weekend. Um, that if he slaps Joker on top of it and cribs in some Batman references, Warner Brothers is going to give him a shit ton of money because he also made a lot of money for them in the past as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. I think Plus Warner Brothers doesn't Warner give Brothers. a shit about any of their stuff anymore. They're like, you know... Right now, we they're tried. just seeing if, if shit sticks, and this shit yeah. definitely stuck. So Yeah, you they know, were like, we tried the Marvel thing. No one turned out for Justice League. So now we're just going to, I don't know, Aquaman is a candy colored nightmare. <laughs> Joker can be, uh, you know, 70s, 80s pastiche of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's bananas. It's, uh, but, it's, it's super crazy. That being said, I think I think what this film does and I was surprised by it. And I, I mentioned this kind of in in my uh, Slack, like little kind of conversation starter um was that this film is very very dark and it's a lot darker than i thought it was going to be and yes mike like sure you can find violence that supersedes this in slasher films all day long but those slasher films are in a mode and in a genre that usually is has like this heightened feel to it. And, you know, most slasher films have like a fucking dressed up main character, right? And certainly this film does, but this film, for some reason, the mood and the tone that it kind of achieves by the halfway point before shit really hits the fan is that this is somewhat in reality, that this is somewhat in you know, and and there's little little bits of things that you know maybe don't quite line up, but it definitely is shooting for that kind of feeling. It's shooting for that taxi driver kind of idea of what if this actually happened, right? And when the violence explodes on screen, myself and much of the audience and my friends that I went to go see it with. We were all pretty taken aback. And it's not that we haven't seen violence like that before. It's just, it's A, not often in superhero films, right? So we went to go see a big blockbuster movie that's rated R, knowing that there was going to be some violence, but not at this like visceral level. And then the other thing was just the reality of, of the mood that it was trying to achieve and for some people, it's definitely going to achieve that. For other people, it's it, you know you're gonna you're gonna latch onto all the other issues that you have um, before allowing it to kind of settle into what it is, right? I want to I want to just pause you here because I have two questions that have now come up because of what you've said. And one is, I'm curious for everyone on this podcast. We'll start with Max. Do you like? What do you feel about this as a joker movie like do you think this is good to the character do you think this is true to the character in any of his previous permutations i am at this point so burnt out on uh comic book stuff that i was honestly relishing uh, something that was deviating even a little bit so i'm not i'm the wrong person to ask on this 
interesting because i for me you can change the the mindset of the characters a bit you know like the bat batman is very different between movies you know and i think Mm -hmm. yeah that's fine but for for some reason i find the the villains to be elemental to the point of like if you remade jaws and had him be a dolphin you know like (laughs) that's not why we made these things like these guys aren't supposed to be that deep they're supposed to stand in for a societal ill or some kind of madness and it to me feels stranger to alter the villains than it does the heroes you know, hmm. it's it's just strange. So I don't know, Michael Snydell. Like, does this hmm. like? Do you have any affinity for the character of Joker? And do you feel like this is a good, good I thing? Think, <laughs> I think the Joker I found most interesting was probably Batman the Animated Series, which is is Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I don't. It's a very hipster statement of you, but go on. Is it, is it really? <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's the the whole like you know the the real best Batman is the animated series. Which I have, is I have a true, I have a more hipster statement coming later, but I'll I'll, I'll save it to after Michael's time. <laughs> please please love, tell me you, it has something to do one. with. Mask has, of Phantasm. No, it has to do specifically with the portrayal of Joker, but like it's it's incredibly dumb, and I'm kidding. So okay, great. <laughs> awesome. No, I, I guess what I'd say is that like, so so let me let me be upfront here too and say that like Heath Ledger's performance is something I think is good, but as I've gotten older, I've strayed so far away from method acting that things like. Keith Ledger's performance, things like Joaquin's performance here, like I, I'm just actively inclined to find them distracting. It, it's just it's just kind of how I've become with actors. It's the same reason that I have some difficulty. You, you missed someone. Uh, did you intentionally lead Jared Leto off of that? <laughs> <laughs> I com- I honestly completely forgot about Jared's existence. Um, but like, yeah, so like, maybe that's why the cartoon uh, appealed to me. And I think, I, I think on some level, I think, I believe it was you said it, Bill, but like, I, I think on some level, I do want Joker to be a cipher. Like, I, and Brian, you were saying it, it's very elemental at this point, but I, I think that I was like, kind of into the idea of having an origin for this villain, surprisingly. Until, like, it needs to just feed into the loop. And and that's where all my, my goodwill just, like, disappears whenever that happens in so many of these these stories. I, I, I don't – like, you're right, Brian. Like, these comic book villains were very much meant to be allegorical. They were very much meant to, to stand in for, you know, the various isms of the time. But, mm. like – I still think that there is some value in in trying to make them human, but I I think as uh, as a lot of smarter people have said to me or have like described this film is that you know as with a lot of films it wants to have it both ways in the sense that it wants to be that pulp that you know trashy thriller that that you know the comic book you know the comic book period piece but it also wants to be seen as a great film and like i think i I think that is what feels so damaging to me about this less than like 
just the concept of making a super, uh, a super villain origin story. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if that answered your question, uh, Brian, but it sort of does. I mean, my main issue is that like, and maybe my main issue needs to be brought up in spoilers, but like, this just doesn't feel like a, a movie about the Joker, you know, or it, like, and, and it almost feels as though the movie knows that and is saying that this guy is not the Joker. He is just a Joker. Well, did you guys see the story that was going around? <laughs> I was that, just Max, going to did ask. you see this? Yeah. No. So dumb. Oh, please. You, you go, uh, or wait, we should probably wait for Okay, let's we'll let's wait for spoilers and then Max can tell us. I don't think he... it even counts as a as a spoiler. Uh, I I would agree, but well, <laughs> spoilers, no, I mean, it's true. everyone is upset about everything. So, <laughs> so so I'll just minutes. I I and then I okay. So we'll we'll really quickly go through my 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 second question and then we can jump into spoilers. Um, uh, so Bill, you talked about the shocking violence. I mean, I found this violence to be very tame, and I found. The, the moments where it could be shocking to be undercut by the movie itself in a way that makes it very difficult to to feel. I think <clears throat> some of the most shocking violence I've seen in a movie is from the movie Elephant. And um, uh, that's a movie that I... Uh, yes, Gus Van Sant's Elephant. Yeah. No, the Robert Pattinson movie with Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Water for Elephants. Anyway, yeah. So Gus Van Sant has in solo? <laughs> Elephant. And it's about... Um, a Columbine-esque shooting. And the way it goes about doing this is just a gliding, beautiful camera following a bunch of these students on their day and the the times loop back and the people overlap. And then you get the shooting and it's just cold, dispassionate, clear-eyed and it's senseless and it's horrible. And there, there's, there's images in that movie that will forever haunt my soul. And I think that that is a worthwhile film. And this movie, every time that it, it, the, the violence came, it just felt like it was switching something up and it was doing stuff to kind of look cool and it wasn't shocking and it didn't it, it didn't have the same level of grit and determined realism that the rest of the movie did, so it took me out of it. Um, so I'm wondering, like, did the violence in this movie work on any level for any of you, Max? No. Uh, actually, that's an interesting thing you should bring up because I did like go in expecting some pretty heavy stuff. And it really is, I mean, it's more violent than maybe your average thriller, but it's not particularly upsetting. Like something I, I tweeted out half trolling, half serious is that like the person who should have directed this is Rob Zombie. And All right. yeah, <laughs> like, I if you wanted that. like a genuinely upsetting version, like one that was taking less from taxi driver and more from like William Lustig's maniac, but actually like Scott Frank actually, um, we we talked about earlier, like a walk among the tombstones is more upsetting than this. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just it seems like the um the slow motion of that young girl walking her dog in that raincoat as uh my favorite song ever to play on this podcast, Donovan's Atlantis <laughs> plays, is more disturbing and more shocking than anything in this movie by far. Yeah. Yeah. And um. I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. Michael, I, you already kind of said it. You you don't find the, the violence to be particularly dark or shocking. I think you said that most no. slashers achieve more. I, I mean, it's not just slashers, but like without getting into further scenes, like I think even that first scene is like bad De Palma. Like it's like it's it's not nearly immersive enough in actually bringing across like the uh, emotional violence as much as the actual act and I think that the later scenes, like, you know, 
uh, like it, it's just weird. I, I'm just thinking of of uh, acts of violence on screen that really shook me. And I, Fincher is what's coming to mind right now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of that Zodiac scene. Sure enough, actually with Donovan <laughs> as well. Um, Look, and, when Donovan uh, plays in a movie, you know that shit's about to go down. <laughs> and Gone Girl, and um, yeah, Fincher is what came to mind, and then. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it it it's just it's it's very strange how much I I don't know I I think it's worth talking about how little this movie is like uncomfortable like it's and you know for as much as I think the king of comedy um, comparisons are overblown I actually had the chance to finally catch up with that uh, this weekend man the movie is fucking amazing but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like the thing about that is that, Brian, it's kind of what you were getting at. It's kind of what we're getting at a little bit with like the baseline of Arthur is that he has like no friends and that he doesn't get along with anybody. And like, you know, what makes Rupert Pupkin interesting is because he is so assumptive that the first time he meets anyone that he'll just like infiltrate their life. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what is so deeply uncomfortable. And the thing about Joker is that, like, I I mean, obviously, he's not just supposed to be Rupert Pupkin, but, like, his discomfort is all ticks. They're all, like, just physical, like, grotesqueries. Like, it's not anything about the character that really felt like an emotional discomfort to me. Like even his conversations with people, like it's, it's like they just keep using the laugh as a, as something that like, Oh, look at this destabilizing thing. Like it's, well, that's another thing that goes into my, my whole statement about this, not being a good Joker film is like, this is going to sound so dumb and I don't care about comics that much. And like, I think I've even talked on this show about how sometimes I feel disconnected from the culture because I don't, care about characters in in things like i have a friend who's super into spider-man it it literally gives him a sense of purpose and meaning in life because spider-man exists because it speaks to something very elemental in him sure and like that makes sense to me and i love that i love it when a movie or a or a a franchise can do that for you and i have none of that i got nothing (laughs) um my life is cold and empty and and this movie, like, it has the laughter be a symptom of his, like, his trauma. Like, a physical symptom of his physical trauma. Sure. Like, it's it, his card that he hands to people, believe it says to people, like, you know, this is a condition, blah, blah, blah. It usually comes about because of serious head trauma, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I, I love a Joker who laughs because everything's just so fucking hilarious. You know? Like, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he realizes the absurdity and the nonsense and he finds just surprises and craziness to be just like the thing that's worth living for. And so sure. Joaquin Phoenix having this this stupid it, it reminds me of like I don't know 2009 there was a viral trailer that went around that was like Mortal Kombat but gritty and realistic. Mm-hmm. And it like tried to give medical reasons behind some of the characters. <laughs> And Reptile had some sort of scalar skin disease that usually kills children at the age of four days. 
And it just reminded me of that, like that bullshit aggro late 90s, early 2000s thing where it's like, if we're going to do this, it's got to be real. All right. So like, we can't just have this guy be nuts. Like his laughter has to come from the <laughs> fucking head injury because he was abused as a child. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's the lamest. And I just, it like giving that to him as a, as a thing that is a problem for him that he cannot control Rather than having it be something that he does that makes people uncomfortable because that's just a core of his character and the way that he sees the world just sounds really sure. fucked up to me. It, so, like, maybe some joke, you know, Bill, to get back to one of your questions, people who listen to this podcast, maybe some Joker files are going to come on here and be like, Brian Rowan gets the Joker. And I, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that he doesn't like this movie on the grounds of it's a bad Joker movie. I, I think there's uh, there's been some talk of, like, you know, I I think there. Sorry, there's some talk of whether we're supposed to take some of these moments as bitter irony, though. Like the moments we've talking about of of how pummeled he is. You know, whether you want to talk about the hospital scene and how that's played, or uh, the the scene in the bathroom that we already mentioned where he gets punched. Like, I, I didn't take it that way, but I've definitely seen some people who think that. <laughs> this movie isn't quite as serious <laughs> as uh, oh, others have suggested. Why so serious? <laughs> All right, so All right, are we ready for spoilers? Let's get into spoilers. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Cool. <laughs> that is the Jarvis spoiler cough. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick question. Did anyone say society that I missed? <laughs> That's eight. Yeah, no, that's nine. We're actually. saying it way less than we when we thought we would. Maybe because now, man, I think I think spoiler section is going to be the part where we really we really get Woo-hoo! into this. Um, okay. Now no that one's you've mentioned, reminded us. No one's mentioned Pagliacci from uh, or Pagliacci from Seinfeld either, which I'm I'm very disappointed. Who is way creepier than <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's <laughs> Joker? <laughs> well, so like another issue that I have, and and so uh, this is going to be the part where you know my fandom for the Nolan Batman films comes out, and um, I uh, think that he did a good job of what Max was talking about, of like taking a person and altering them in a way that is different from, but still elementally the same as the comic book iterations. You know, so like Selena Kyle is never called Catwoman. In Batman mm-hmm. Rises, but she still has, you know, the a ears. lot of, yeah, she still has a lot of the <laughs> things that make Catwoman Catwoman. You know, she has a fundamental distrust of anyone but herself. She, she um, she, she, she walks is, around in heels. You gotta have reason. that. And like, it, it's just things like that. Things that like ground her in the character, but allow for some movement outside of this. Now, Nolan's Joker tries to show that humanity will tear itself apart and fails because Mm -hmm. he is trying to do it through the kind of madcap nonsensical madness that this joker is trying to do but i think that nolan rightly feels and understands that like that kind of shit isn't what rallies people into a violent revolution and that's why in the dark knight rises he has bane appealing to the sense of people having been left behind like overtly the the crazy police state that they've created through this like amped up rico law known as the dent act and you know talking about like taking down the wealthy and redistributing their wealth to the people at the bottom because this movie's 
big political statement seems to be resist slash kill the rich. Mm-hmm. Which I, I was listening <clears throat> to a podcast and they were talking about the uh, the nuanced take of uh, kill the rich and how – uh, that money goes to their heirs and not to you. So what is the point of killing well, the Well, there's rich? an inheritance tax. Well, that's the thing. Oh, in, in The Dark Knight Rises, you kill the rich, you live in their house. Like, they take <laughs> sure. over that city. Mm-hmm. And Selena Kyle and um, that one that one woman who's in every movie, whose name I can't remember. Marion Cotillard? No. Juno Temple. Juno Temple, that's the one. <laughs> oh! You got yeah, me. She's in everything. Yep. Yep. I was okay. gonna say the the girl who lied in atonement. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus! Spoilers for atonement. Run horns. So yeah, Juno Temple. They're they're in a house, and Catwoman picks up a framed like guilt family photo of a family like with children, and looks at it sadly. And Juno Temple walks up behind them, and it's like we did it. Like we did what we said we were gonna do. Like we we took it, and it's ours now. And, like, that's some real disturbing shit. Like, this is a city that has, even though it's constantly said it's peacetime, it's a, it's a false peace, you know? And they mm. have allowed, through their inattention to the least among us, to let a, a massive act of radicalization happen. And um, th- it's, it's summed up in that line by Catwoman where she says, like, you and your rich friends better batten down the hatches. Like, a storm is coming. And when it hits, mm-hmm. you're going to wonder how you could... You're going to... What is it? I've sent this to you, Michael. You're going to wonder yeah, how you on. all thought you could live so high and leave so little for the rest of us. Like, that is a more perilous to society line and through line of that whole movie than anything in Joker. Like, if people are yeah. worried that, like, Joker is going to lead to violence, like, heaven help us. How did we let The Dark Knight Rises get into theaters? <laughs> well, I mean... There was some violence around Dark Knight Rises. But that wasn't directly related to the movie. And I think that that's kind of the crazy thing is that... um, Which is is why this whole situation has gotten blown up and why there was a cop sitting in my Alamo draft house and probably at your theaters as well. Right, because it's the idea of the Joker as a character. Like that guy bust into that theater with his colored hair and his nonsense. And and he wasn't actually inspired by the Joker in any way. Right, like but that was just like, like an urban thing that ur- urban legend that went around. Right, and much like the trench coat mafia thing, or the concept that like yeah, Cleveland and Harris were bullied instead of being bullies, like became a meme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's weird to me, and it's it's um it, like this movie is just not as dangerous as it seems, and as it seems people think it wants to be, and as many people think that it is, because th- nothing in this movie makes sense. <laughs> this is. No. If this movie were to be any way realistic and sensical and, and as dangerous as it wants to be, it would basically be a remake of Son of Sam, Summer of Sam. Yeah. Okay. Where the forty four so, caliber killer goes around and everyone just gets freaked out because, like, no one knows who it could be and, like, everything sucks. And, you know, it's like that. The, the Summer of Sam is, again, a better execution of this movie and what it is trying to do and say. Well, I feel like I have my issues with the Dark, Dark Knight Rises where I'm not entirely sure how coherent no one's uh point of view is on all of it but you know he's at least trying to say something where whereas you know this feels like todd phillips just had like msnbc or something on like playing in the background while he was writing something and was just taking bits and pieces that he overheard and shoving them in and like it's just a lot of stuff that's been thrown at the wall to see what sticks and it it just i, I don't think anything really comes out 
But isn't that so much – I'm sorry, but isn't that so much worse than Nolan's – like I, I think that makes – I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to this the last time. I, I think that makes this film a, a lot more of a problem than something – like say what you will about Nolan, whether it's incoherent or not. But like the way this throws around buzzwords and relies on a certain relevance and like played right into the – the controversies and stuff is just like that seems like it should be condemned. I don't what's, know. What's weird to me is that every <laughs> every news site, every entertainment site was saying like, oh, you know, someone's going to shoot up a theater. Like we're, yeah. it's, it's we're counting down the days until we get our mass shooting is really what it yeah. sounded like. Deeply you know, irresponsible, for sure. We we it, we we felt, or I don't know, we we were acting, and I felt as though we were like an apocalyptic cult, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I feel like I could feel a deflation as like Sunday night came around, and people were like, "Well, <laughs> we uh, I guess that didn't happen. Like we had our write ups all done. How many hot takes are sitting on someone's hard drive right now, just melting into nothingness?" Because you they'd do, already by now. By now, hopefully, it's a flash drive, and uh, you know they've they've moved on from the physical media. But, so you think yeah. it's just in the cloud, like they did it directly? No, on no, 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 no. I, I mean, I mean, hopefully, it's on a flash drive and not on on a, a hard drive? on a yeah a hard drive. You a, think a, a thumb drive is more? No, no. I mean, like a SSD. Oh, you think like a solid state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's possible. I don't know what no, no, no moving parts, bro. No so um, but how many? Like, I just feel like. Uh, I almost, I almost said, I almost said an actual writer's name. <laughs> and Don't I was just that. like, how much, how much you want to bet that blank blank had a thing already written and was just like salivating at the thought of like a shooting in some red state theater so that he could like unleash his, his anger on them. I, I, ha- I am half inclined to think I know who you're talking about. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take a timestamp right now so that I can remember to bleep this out. Can you does everyone want to give me their thoughts on who I am referring to? Is it the obvious one or is it less obvious? I don't know, Michael. <laughs> is it No. Oh. Oh, no, I was wrong. Okay. Oh, that was a good guess though. Michael? <sighs> I don't know whether you're going the obvious route or not. Just give me the name. I I th- I thought it was a but yeah, it was definitely. Kind of, all right, oh, he got his take man. out there today. <laughs> oh man, and his his review was fairly tepid. So uh, anyway, anyway, uh, so that's a fun game that people at home <laughs> got to listen to and not get any of the answers to. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, what was I saying? I don't know. It, it felt like there was like a bloodlust in the air, hoping that this movie would would come to that level of violence. But like, I don't think. Yeah, it, I felt the same way. I don't think that it calls for it. And again, I think that's just the elemental station of the joker in pop culture which again this movie i won't say betrays because i'm not willing to go that hard for the joker but uh it certainly doesn't live up to can i make a very dark joke that is also true do it all right i i have to say that i actually felt a little bit uncomfortable in my theater and uh, I was so uh, – I kept thinking, I'm going to be so mad if someone kills me during this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you you told that me that. That was my main. <laughs> you told me that and I had like this whole thing where I was like, I felt that in a movie once. What was that? And I can't remember. The last time was at 
I, I've mentioned this before, was that Free Fire, a movie I also strongly disliked. But someone came in with a laser pointer oh, and, fuck. and pointed. There were two. There were four people in the entire theater. Came in with a laser pointer, w- w- like did it around the whole room, and, and me and my partner were like, "Fuck, we're gonna die. <laughs> we're gonna die during this terrible movie." And then we were so mad. So and that, that I remember happen. now, actually, um, I've, I've, I've mentioned it and you could probably go back on the podcast to hear me give the detailed play by play. There have been times when I've been in a movie and had to talk to someone about their behavior uh-huh. and was then certain that they were going to kill me in the parking lot. Uh-huh. And one of them was Kong Skull Island and the other was Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the second one? Detroit. Detroit. Someone fell oh. asleep during that movie and he woke him up. Like numerous times and finally I woke him up and he was like, what? And I was like, I, you're, you're asleep. He's like, no, I wasn't. And then he like called a friend, talked about what a piece of shit I was and then was madly texting and then left 15 minutes before the end of the movie. And I was like, that guy's going to be waiting for me. I haven't experienced that. I have experienced someone falling asleep a couple of seats away from me during Stranger by the Lake and moaning in their in their dreams, which I feel like enhanced the movie, frankly. That's like down with the time that I went and saw Zero Dark Thirty, another Catherine Bigelow movie. And the two people next to me were definitely on heroin and were and were nodding out. And when they finally killed Bin Laden in the movie and these people have been like talking slowly through most of this action scene and they kill bin laden they're like you know bin laden's down and the the girl or the guy one of the two said like i thought they found him in a hole in the desert and i was so (laughs) eager to correct them that i couldn't even be mad i just turned and said that's saddam hussein and then i turned back to the movie (laughs) and i was like you know how many times in your life do you get to correct two heroin addicts about which middle eastern you know, wound to terror yeah. was killed in what way? They're not. They might not be addicts, Brian. That could also be the That's first true. time. It could have been their first time, and afterwards they could have said that was not worth it, and then lived happy, healthy lives. <laughs> Do you remember that time where you confused Bin Laden with Saddam Hussein? What a fucking trip, man! I was so so high on heroin. <laughs> um. Okay, so I want to mention a couple of things about this film sure, that uh, I can kind of mentioned and said that we had to get into spoilers to talk about. Yeah. A, um, and this will be quick. This will be easy, and y'all don't even have to kind of weigh in on it. Brian, you might you you seem like you might have some thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie does Thomas Wayne real fucking dirty. Like yeah, it he does. is. Woo. He is a complete and utter asshole in this film to the point where at one point he refers to people that are poor that want to rise up against the rich basically as clowns. And I was like, Oh, that that's like a hot take that would get you canceled back then for sure. (laughs) Like that's, that's like, we don't live in the age of Trump in 1981. Like that's not something that you can get away with publicly and like then still run on a campaign. Like, well, that's the, no, that's the weird thing, Bill, is that I don't know that he was saying all poor people are clowns. No, no, it no. It's like he was He's, like, there's an anarchic element. Yes. And that's what I was saying was yeah. specifically the people that want to rise up against the rich are clowns. And I was just like, Ooh, 
Right. The people no, who like hate that we have things and think that we yeah. were handed to them are clowns. Now, what's interesting is that that's clearly a Hillary Clinton calling people deplorable moment and then people taking that moniker on. But again, you've swapped the political polarity. Because mm-hmm, he's a Republican. Which robs it of like almost everything. Sure. And then And then I just again, like there's another point where he says like. You know, these people like may hate me, but they don't realize that like I'm the best chance that they've got, which is again another like an it, it, that's a Trumpian line, but it's also something that I think like, you know, the uh, liberals have said about like people in what you'd call like the heartland, mm-hmm. you know, who who clearly aren't gonna vote for them because they're trying to take away their guns and Bibles. And um you know, they're like, but you know, you know, you don't have your jobs anymore and my liberal policies are the best chance you've got. So it's weird. And this is the apolitical, but almost like quasi gray political line that this movie trots that really ruins any ability of it to be shocking or interesting. Well, something I I thought of when that came up was maybe in in like the late sixties, Ronald Reagan using hippies as like a, like a a cudgel to, uh, you know, get elected as governor for California. But here it's so broad and nonspecific that like you can't even really, use that necessarily because it, it's just it doesn't seem like phillips really has any idea of what you know makes a, a popular politician what makes someone who might actually be draw both like real support and real uh like uh uh opposition outside of him just being kind of an asshole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he's he's gonna say the hard truths right and it's like uh, I don't know if people were voting for that shit back then. Um, But the other thing that I wanted to kind of mention was that y'all kept mentioning that um, Arthur Fleck has no friends, right? And in this film's initial reality, and I don't know how quickly y'all kind of gleaned in on like its untruth and its unreliable narrator. narrator, um, Are you talking about Zazie? Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. Zazie. So, like, poor, that, poor Zazie. Th- yes, absolutely. <sighs> uh, I, I was listening to someone that they were talking about, like, they gave her a dog shit role. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's not untrue. <sighs> um, but they definitely give him that character to kind of, like, have a little bit of a highlight, have a little bit of a bright spot in his life, right? Even to the point where at like his lowest of low point, when his mom is in the hospital, um, having a stroke from being questioned by the cops, you know, maybe kind of, I don't know who knows. Um, like that she's there comforting him. And then of course we learn that none of that is fucking true. And that, you know, it, it never happened. And so he was alone in all of those situations instead. Um, now the film definitely gives us that within the first, what, 30 minutes that, that character relationship is established and then kind of like pulled into focus and like explored a little bit and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, to the point where I think it's after the subway shootings, he like barges into her room and then supposedly like makes love to her. Right. It's shortly after that sequence. Yeah. It's like he, he kills them, dances in a bathroom and then goes and hooks up with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
like they definitely give him that character, but y'all are y'all basically highlight the fact that either y'all gleaned onto it like early on that this is definitely not actually happening or that y'all just retroactively were like, yeah, no, that's clearly untrue. So I'm not going to give it, you know, give the film that kind of credit. I mean, I knew from pretty much her second scene standing at his door that she couldn't be real. It was just, it was, Mm -hmm. it was beyond my ken to think that this movie would have her come up and be like, were you stalking me? And then like say the cool line about like, I wish you'd just come in and rob the place. And like, there was a part of me that was like, I sort of love this, but only mm-hmm. if they do enough to like really play into like her being another person who's like, I just want something interesting to happen and I will court mm-hmm. danger because life is almost, terrible. Almost a Harlequin. Like, yeah, almost. But like, yeah. but then she doesn't say a fucking line for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and I was just like, not. oh, okay. So yeah. clearly, I think at one point she says, uh, Arthur, can I go get you a coffee? Yeah. And uh, at another point, she looks at the the murder headlines and says, "I think they should. I think they deserved it. Fuck them." And right. I was just which like, again, that is like you don't even know who the fuck they were. Uh, but like, see, you don't see, know that thing. that he was being beat up by them before he turned a gun on them. Right. Uh, everyone apparently is like, this guy must have just murdered these guys because he hated them, which is fine. Like, I don't really care. But like without her character being real and saying those things to him that he has like no connection to understanding like this mini revolution that he's inciting. And Mm -hmm. I, I just think that he needs that. Like, I think you need those conversations with people out in the world who are like, yeah, I think the guy fucking did the good thing. I think that he, that those motherfuckers deserve to get capped, you know? Sure. Sons of bitches got to get got like, it's just, if if not even like overhearing someone say it to someone else. Right. Right. Like, like, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right in that is that like having him be so secluded in this film almost unbalances it so far in the other direction that it's mm. it's like he he can't be aware of what else is going on in this world because like the only person that he watches is uh i don't even remember his name the uh robert de niro's character murray franklin murray, i think yeah. is the, yeah. yeah but i i think that bill i mean i think we've seen even better examples of just that kind of insularity though and like hermits like like i cannot but think of um i thought you were going to mention actually christian bale and the machinist earlier when you were talking about physical transformations but that's one film that that comes to mind when i think of like people who are are so shuttered away from the world around them that the, the the possibility of another character coming in would you know it would be a culture shock like mm-hmm. to that extent and and i think that's the problem here is that we we don't get that there's no there's no baseline and and even the baseline they have is ripped away uh, it's not existent yeah it's not existent yeah. like it, it's i i think that's why it's a little bit weird that even like tell me tell me I, i'm curious what you guys whether you guys had a thought about this i, I thought it was very strange what, what to make of Randall giving him the gun and then acting like he didn't give him the gun. And I, 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 I guess just that was, a dick. No, I, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. But like what, 
why characterize that character that way? Like, well, so, the same... so here's the thing. And, uh, I think this is like the fifth time in a row that I've said this, but I hate, I don't like rewriting movies. I think that it's bad criticism, but I'm, I'm great at sure. it. Um, and I think that, <laughs> I think that the better version uh, of this movie is where he walks up to that guy after he tries to give him a gun and says like, I'm not taking that gun. He walks up and is like, you know what? I actually keep getting the shit beat out of me. I need a gun for protection. And sure. earnestly believes he's going to use it for protection. Kills the Wall Street guys or anyone else who tries to beat him up. Thinks, my God, I got out. I feel great because I was finally able to stand up for myself. And then sees the shift in society. <laughs> I know what I'm going to say before I say it and then I have to write it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then says, oh, I think that I am powerless I think that nothing I do matters, but this thing mattered. And then he goes out and he fails at being a stand-up comedian. And then he's like, the only thing I've ever done that's ever impacted anything is when I killed those Wall Street guys. So here's what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. I'm going to kill someone else. And mm -hmm. I'm going to see what that does. And maybe he goes and like kills some nurses, you know, or kills some social workers or kills some striking garbage people and just waits to see how society reacts to his violence and then is like okay now what if i kill rupert pumpkin um murray franklin like <laughs> that's gonna be like he's he thinks to himself like i am stirring the pot i am adding in the spices these people are reading into this stuff something meaningful and all i'm doing is taking a life you know and I think that that's the more dangerous version of this movie because that's what these most of these fucking idiots who shoot up places do. They feel worthless. They feel pointless. They write a manifesto they maybe half believe. And then they mow down a bunch of people and suddenly we can remember their name. And for a minute they felt the power that they believe everyone else in the world has. But that would make this movie in some way risky, which is yeah, exactly <laughs> the paradox, <laughs> which is which is something that I guess we, we haven't talked about. And I don't know that we have to, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. A lot of people were like, oh, good. An incel joker. But like, he's not an incel. Like, I mean, I'm certain that he is celibate. I am certain that it is involuntary. <laughs> but he doesn't rage against like women not giving him anything. He rages against like the concept Society. of a father. <laughs> uh, Brian, mark it down. <laughs> it is marked. It is so marked. Um yeah, this is a movie and um and I I was before I even saw the movie, I saw that someone had said this and was talking about the fact that like you know she thought it was going to be an incel movie and it and it wasn't and i responded to her by saying um what the fuck am i even watching this movie for <laughs> um it was it was anna swanson who i believe is uh over at one perfect shot and reject nation and all that stuff and she said maybe the dumbest part of all this is that the joker doesn't even have an incel narrative and my <laughs> response is well now i don't even know why i'm going to go see this movie at all <laughs> and it's 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 true it's it's bananas like we assumed this movie was going to be so dangerous because it was going to be touching a nerve and this movie couldn't find a fucking nerve with two hands a flashlight and a map mm -hmm. it's but just I... pointless violence and it's it's dumb and it it can't even it can't even approach the mindless violence of the the, the situation that i just described where it's someone who just wants to see their crimes in a newspaper you know it, this mm -hmm. is a sub son of sam 
Well, it, it's is interesting the thing that, that I'm you, really surprised I was able to say without tripping. It's interesting that you mentioned this because I have a, a friend through a friend. So um, my friend Greg uh, works in basically emergency response, and he has a friend, uh, a former professor, uh, that basically has done a lot of research and, you know, ends up on CNN and, and some other talk shows here and there, uh, talking about, uh, mass shootings. So that's kind of her, her, she is a professor basically studying that, that subject, um, which is like sad, harrowing, Mm -hmm. but also someone that, you know, needs to happen. And one of the things that she's leading is the, um, I can't remember the 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 hashtag or anything like that, but basically the idea is that in the media, quit saying the names of the killer. Yeah, quit mm. quit giving them. So it's it's something like no no promo or something like that um, for for basically these mass killers because that's exactly what they want. Like whether you're doing a news item because of that or not giving them any kind of headline, giving them any kind of, you know, name in the lights basically is what ends up breeding more killers because they see that these people are now famous and, you know, it kind of bleeds right into what you're saying, Brian, where they, they're feeling secluded and they're feeling left out. And so they start, you know, clipping up you know newspaper headlines of this killer and then they start to emulate those right. kind of Elliot, Elliot Roger is a patron saint of the incel community like I think yeah. that the guy who mowed down all those people with 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 a uh, with a with a truck mm-hmm. in uh in Canada basically said as much like the these people are like worshiping at the idol of this this fucking loser who who you know had all this money and 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 all this privilege and like was like why can't I parlay this into landing like a good female companion and then he uh fucking killed a bunch of people and you know it's Sorry. that that voice ryan that that was very hard <laughs> that, was, that was that was that was a choice have you ever listened to his youtube videos <laughs> no of no. course not you want me to play one <laughs> yeah brian brian goes down that path every now and then i go down rabbit holes all right Call me. Alice. I can tell you a lot about the flat Earth Society if you'd like to hear about it, Max. <laughs> you can call me Alice because I love no, tripping on uh, down did, rabbit did holes. You, did you mark down that mention of society in your society list, Brian? Uh, no. And so I've got the one that I did, the one that you did, and then the next one that you did. We're at fifteen okay. now. Okay. Cool. 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 Um. But yeah, I don't know. Like this, it's just it sucks to me that this movie does this. I also I don't think I ever got to say this piece, but yeah, this movie does Thomas Wayne dirty. To to uh, to no to no end that I can see. I think the movie would be better off if he was a good man, and that I, I do too. Yeah, I think that it makes a lot more sense if he's a good man. I think that if he had treated Joker with compassion, and then uh, Arthur had realized, like, oh shit, like this isn't my dad. He's giving me compassion, and I still feel nothing. I mm-hmm. still feel lost. Then, like, that's a that's a solid motive. But getting punched in the face, um is a little weird it's a uh, it's a little dumb it's uh it's really fucking stupid and i think that uh having him be that kind of callous asshole then makes you wonder well why the fuck was why did bruce wayne 
like do anything like what it like the the whole point of and again the nolan series is that his dad was a a good man who was kind of blinded by his social liberalism and believed that you know public transit would be helpful to the city and like with all his other stuff he could do something and he didn't there was still a lot of crime stuff still sucked and then his son went the opposite direction and crime just got worse and it lets you know that like society has to come together and communicate and work in a tandem or else everything sucks you know and like this movie's just like what if everyone's an asshole and robert de niro needs to get shot in the face and then um maybe it was all a dream anyway so here's here's the nitpick that i i kind of latched onto that i didn't understand why in this film that's trying to be dark and violent and gritty and all of these kind of buzzwords um why they pulled a punch on the cops themselves not being murdered it after like basically well the cops are chasing arthur through a subway he happens to hop on the subway train right as a protest movement is happening where everybody's dressed as fucking clowns which doesn't help them and then shay wiggum uh is is that is that his name yes yeah and bill camp yeah, yes. don't forget Bill Camp. What are you doing? <laughs> well, Shay Wiggum is the one that drew the gun. So that's that's what I'm kind of sure. focusing right, yeah. in on. Um pulls a gun in like in the middle of a crowded ass subway. <laughs> um probably not a good idea. Someone decides to try and wrestle that gun away from him and like beat him up, bro. Uh then gets shot, presumably to death, right? Like it de- and then the mob mentality just fucking takes over and they decide to like proceed to pummel these two cops like even outside of the subway system and then like in the background i noticed that like there's more people rushing to like then start kicking and like bludgeoning these two cops and then we find out that they're in like intensive care and i was like why 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 wouldn't you just murder them? I don't understand why <laughs> like you you did all of this other shit. You cut away from that sequence. Joker is fucking just like dancing while all these cops are running into the subway and then you don't even have the balls to like kill these two cops? Like why? Wait, so are you telling me that the violent flame inciting riots later on don't result in any fatalities like i i guess not well i I think (laughs) the the best argument you could make in its favor narrative and i feel like i'm doing the film's work for it if i'm (laughs) doing this but like it's yeah the the best argument i could come up with is that they've escalated to the point of violence but not quite to murder but like that's also kind of hard to argue because there isn't really any sense of escalation here it's just like a lot of shit happening and then suddenly there's a mob and then suddenly that they're like all they're all clowns like it it really seems like everything goes very quickly to no real purpose except like when it wants to hit the brakes so i don't know puzzling to me like maybe they are killing people by the time we hit the riot at the end but it it, like the film doesn't really seem to have any sense of escalation or deterioration so much as it just has like it hits a button at a certain point and it gets worse 
Right. And in, it's, in the middle of that riot sequence towards the end, when the Joker police car gets T-boned by the ambulance, I noticed in the background, I saw a, it looked like someone in riot gear. So he had the, the face shield and he's like looking around and like raising his hands and being like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. It looked like one of the guys that was on a horse that I guess at some point his horse got taken away from him. And now he's just like looking in the middle of this, like this police car just got T-boned by an ambulance. I got these motherfuckers riding towards me. And he's just like, I don't know what, why am I here right now? I just, I don't know. That extra seemed real fucking confused about what his purpose in that scene was supposed to be. The second AD told me to stand here, but I don't understand from a character standpoint, why riot cop number seven would just be standing here. (laughs) Why, why am I not dead yet? Someone get me my acting coach. I need her to bring me back to a baseline. (laughs) I do want to ask about one more plot point, but I want to say, Two scenes I actually liked. <laughs> uh, one is when he walks into the hospital door. I, I laughed. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very Chaplin-esque moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second was uh, Brian and I briefly talked about this. I think the actor in the scissor scene, the um, I believe oh, yeah. Brian, you said dwarf. I believe he is a dwarf. I, I, I don't want to be inaccurate. I'm trying to look up. His name is Lee Gill, though, and he plays He's Gary. So- yeah. And he is fantastic in that single in that he, single scene. I mean, he's, it's too bad he's not bad I, in the rest of the movie, but he gives too much to that scene. It's um, yeah. it's the same problem that I had with Tom Holland as a uh, Peter Parker dusting at the end of Infinity War, <laughs> where like Aww. everyone else is like, "Uh oh, my hands are disappearing!" Woof, and then they're gone. And Tom Holland is like dying of cancer, and is like. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. And then like collapses into his arms. And is like, I'm scared. Hold me, sir. And then dies. And I'm like, the one person in the whole fucking universe who felt like pain during that. And so, yeah, uh, this guy. Yeah. Um, that was Lee definitely a, an added sequence that was uh, <laughs> off the cuff for sure. But yeah. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely don't disagree with the fact that like nobody else feels anything and everybody else is just suddenly like looks at their hand is like, shit. Well, what the fuck is this nonsense? And and he's like fully like aware of what's happening to him. That's one of those things where you're like, give me a loved one. Clearly, this movie was filled over the course of a year. No one was ever in the same place. And they were just like. So we know that Spider-Man's going to die. We have to keep going back to the dartboard to figure out who the other people are. But, you know, Tom. Play it up. This is a big tragic scene. Everyone else, I don't know who gives a shit. Like, we're just mm-hmm. gonna take you out CGI. Um You're coming back anyway, so don't worry. But yeah, us. Lee Lee Gill in that scene when when Arthur fucking stabs uh Fleshler to death, the yellow king, um <laughs> Gorin from Barry, you know yeah. he Oh, that's who he is. <laughs> Remus from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. He's an HBO uh, mainstay. He's great. Love him. Um, he's he's so good. He's so great in Barry. Uh, shout out to Barry if you're not watching What's Wrong With You. Um, he, he, yeah, Lee, Lee Gill gives His this reaction. Yeah. fantastic performance in the scene where my heart <laughs> broke for him. You know, he's like, oh God, like, like he's crying and he's like, 
but still somehow sympathetic to Arthur. He's like, why did you do that? He's like, his yeah. friend has just been murdered in front of him. He'd come there to be like a rock for this guy who he knew was troubled. And then he goes to try to get out of the door. He's scared. He's sad. He's feeling all these emotions and he can't reach the chain. Yeah. And Arthur goes over and opens it for him. And I'm like, this scene is distressing. Not the violence, but the, and yes. this is something that John Hillcoat knows. It's not the violence. It's the effect of the violence. It's the way that it uh -huh. cripples you psychologically yeah. and physically that is what gives it more. You know, and uh, yeah, this movie just sucks except for that scene. <laughs> I, I really do think that's the best scene. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed that scene. And like, it was funny because not funny, haha, but funny <laughs> as in like interesting to see the audience reaction because when the uh, the dwarf is like he's like crying and yelling out in the background and when that happened someone just like nervously laughed and was just like just started laughing i was like yeah where's your card bro like give me your card why are you laughing right now this is not <laughs> this is not funny this is not enjoyable like what's wrong with you and i think it was just it was just a nervous laugh of just like like they forgot for a moment that someone else was even in that scene. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like he's, he's like crying out in the side and it's just like, you know, pinned himself into a corner as far away from Arthur as he can get. And he, you know, he's just fucking scared. <laughs> like, you know? And so, yeah, that's a, that's a, a really good scene. And I, I really like the fact that like, we specifically see Arthur like set that uh that burglar chain. Yeah. And and you just you just don't even register it. Oh, right? I registered Until, it. Well, I, I mean you registered that like this guy's probably gonna get killed and then the the dwarf is not gonna be able to unlock it. Oh, I just registered like, oh, these guys are about to get the there's no good when someone enters your place and you're like, let me put on this chain. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. It, it was supposedly a sketchy place, but I was also listening to, I think it was the Slate spoiler special, and they were talking about how they were looking at that apartment and being like, I don't know, it, it looked pretty roomy. Looked <laughs> it's, it's a like big that. apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on why is this such a shithole you've got like, I, i've seen really nice apartments that were a lot smaller than that apartment you know so it's like oh the wallpaper's peeling go fuck yourself you could fit two other people in that apartment <laughs> they, they basically said oh your your kitchen sink isn't in your bathroom like <laughs> sorry like <laughs> that's the thing i feel like you can't put like a truly shitty new york apartment in a movie because no one will believe you <laughs> like i have i have been to them i have seen them i have seen the murphy bed that pulls out and you cannot open your dresser anymore mm. i have seen the door on the bathroom that can't open all the way because the hallway leading to it is too small you know like these things exist uh. but I, I feel like we should we should mention the last spoilery thing i, I i'm just curious oh, sure what do you guys? Like whether do you guys whether this the, whole whole thing fucking happened or not? No, god damn it, Bill. <laughs> We're not. I think I think that it did. Again, I this is what I said to Michael when we talked about this, and uh, I'd love to know if anyone disagrees. The fact that Batman's parents died, 
that that sinks us up to an objective reality that we know happens in this universe. So I feel like it had to have happened, right, Max? Yeah, though I mean, it, it even that feels incidental. Like it's just something that happens on the side. So like, mm. I don't know. It uh, that that it, Thomas Wayne deserves to get gunned down. He's a real <laughs> dick. No, I was talking. I, I was going to mention what they do with Penny Fleck, though. And I, I, I oh. like Frances Conroy. She's really bad in this, but um, it's a very needy performance. It, yeah, it's 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 not only that, but just like assassinating her character like that is just so. It's so. It felt so pointless to right, me. You were like, so crazy that you adopted a <sighs> child so that you could claim that it was Thomas Wayne's. And also then let him be sexually and physically abused by your boyfriends. And also her. It yeah. Seems well, like. you know, and, yeah, and uh, sure. yeah, it was really fucked up. And then, but then the, the worst, the, maybe the worst thing about this movie is that it still plants in your head because of that photo that Thomas Wayne apparently wrote. Okay. So there's a photo of her and yes. on the back it says like, you got a great smile or like, I love your smile. <sighs> TW. Now here's the thing. Could a guy write that to a girl and not be because, you know, they're banging and he's got a love child? Possibly. Could she have crazily written it on the back of the thing on her own? Also possible. You know, but I just like, that's another character. Does, does Thomas, Thomas Wayne, Wayne go by GW? Who knows? I mean, Thomas Wayne, TW, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, but I mean, it could be somebody else. It could be Thomas Weisenhower. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you went for <laughs> not like timothy wright <laughs> look I thomas have been weisenhower solo. of the manchester <laughs> weisenhowers i have been solo in my head okay like you, you, you leave me alone when it comes to names so what was i gonna say i mean like that that's the th- the 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 aspects of of ambiguity this movie serves up are oftentimes directly harmful to the movie and the mythos it's trying to create. And um, I think that uh, having that still be a question at the end is not helpful to this character. Um, I think that it, uh, that it sucks. And I also think that, again, it's just uh, like how much bullshit does this guy's life have to consume? <laughs> like, yeah. I know like people have literally snapped for less. And mm-hmm. I think that having him snap for less would be, again, a more meaningful and dangerous movie. Agreed. Well, and- and and the the interesting aspect is that when he kills those Wall Street guys, he's still on medication at that point. Yes. Right? Yeah. So Seven it's not different even, medications. Sure. So it but it's not like, oh, society crumbled around me and that's why I did this. No. Like you were already on you were still on your medication, right? So it, it takes some of his non-blame away right um granted you know castle doctrine and all that other shit like you know was was he being beaten to the point of him feeling like he his life was in danger yeah maybe who knows um one thing that i did want to ask about was um why can't i remember it now ben solo Um, no, not Ben Solo. We we already talked about his rib cage. Um, God damn it! Oh, uh, whether this is even the Joker that is ends up being the moniker of the Joker. Um, 
I was mentioning, and you know, yeah, it, it doesn't take much to read into the fact that like, uh, Mr. Wayne is like, I don't know, eight, nine years old or something yeah. like that. So, uh, and Joaquin Phoenix is definitely old as shit. So I don't know, like, uh, there's a giant age difference there. Um, and my point was basically, what if the Joker is basically like the princess bride situation where they just, oh, the Dread Pride Roberts. Yeah. It's or just, like 007. Just, Some people think, sure. that, you know, James yeah, Bond like, is a code name. What like, a weird so, sentence. <laughs> I mean, so I, I oh, sorry. Go ahead. So it's it's just like okay, like easy retcon is okay. Joker isn't actually one singular person. It's just someone that wears a mask that is an agent of chaos, and maybe someone decides to use that moniker because the Joker got famous at one point, right, for these riots that went throughout the street, and now I'm going to use that just like the guy Fox masks and stuff like that, that like, what is it? Um, un, unknown. Who, who are they? Anonymous. Anonymous. Unknown is the <laughs> Yami Colasera movie starring Liam Neeson. And Diane <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's an easy retcon that like, if they wanted to make a sequel to this could probably do. Um, now whether anyone wants to see a sequel to this without walking Phoenix, I'm not sure. So it's funny. You mentioned that because Michael and I were talking about that earlier, that Todd Phillips has said that it's possible that this character is not the Joker, just a Joker, right? Which that's why I they, they left the definite article out. In, incredibly stupid. <laughs> um, right, um, I kind of hate that idea because again, the, the Joker's the goddamn motherfucking Joker. He's not inspired <laughs> by. Yeah, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I mean, he's just. I. It, it doesn't matter. What were you gonna say? <laughs> well, I mean, to the point that Phoenix is. Well, I mean, he's in his mid forties, and Nicholson was like what in his early fifties when he did Batman in the in the eighties. So, like, I don't know what sure. I, that maybe, was also maybe, mentioned. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I guess something that it just, it's ambiguity, it's ambiguity that doesn't really seem to add very much to the movie. It's just like some sort of little, little beat that Phillips is throwing in there as a possibility outside of the film, essentially just to have us ask a question. I, I don't think it actually says anything about like the story he told is the frustrating. Oh, right. This is, yeah, this is the, so this is a help. movie made for people who are obsessed with whether the top falls in inception. You know, it's, it yeah. is again, it's that dumb level of the Christopher Nolan films that a lot of people love him for, but that other people realize is just the first layer that if you dig beneath it, you're like, it doesn't matter if the top falls. What matters is that he's willing to run to his children and yes. accept that this is reality. And this is yes. a movie that's like, it's all spinning tops. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, no, whether you love or hate what no one's doing there, like he at least has like some sort of a, a thing that he's like basing this all on. Whereas this, it really is just like the ambiguity doesn't matter. It's not really a Joker movie. It's not really a character study. It's not really much of anything except mm -hmm. a just a, a vehicle for Joaquin Phoenix to do the Joaquin Phoenix thing, which if yeah. you find that entertaining, which I do, that's something, but it's not a lot to hang a hat on overall. It's just like, it's 
like, I have an article coming out, I think, later this week about how it fits into his overall body of work. But I don't touch very much on the film because outside of that performance, I just don't think there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think the cherry on top of what made that interview, uh, you know, much closer to parody, too, is Phillips references the last line of this movie <laughs> as like oh maybe there's more to this movie <laughs> and when he's like you know it's a joke you wouldn't get it like he references his own line you can picture him stroking, you can picture him stroking his beard as he's saying this thank, thank you for saying beard by the way i was really concerned about where that was gonna go i know that we curse a lot on this show but uh i mean he his first movie was a gg allen movie i don't know what he gets up to in his yeah it's also true <laughs> um so here's my here this is that's my that's kind of my whole thing about this movie is like you know he's like you i was thinking of a joke and then it shows bruce wayne standing over his dead parents i'm like so what's the fucking joke like is the joke that like you made that kid an orphan because you were an orphan like is that really like you heard about that and we're like oh look what i did this is me like the rest of the city being on fire wasn't a thing in your mind like Mm -hmm. or is it like the joke is that this is a guy who later on in my life will punch me repeatedly and throw me into arkham asylum like (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that the joke like you've bred your own downfall and the fact that i am curious like i always say i love ambiguity i want the author to know the answer and just decide not to tell me. Mm-hmm. I don't want this lady or the tiger bullshit where you're just like, the whole point is that you have to decide, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, want the it's author a, it's to like, Rorschach test, right? You, I want the author to say, I could tell you, but it shouldn't matter what I say because this, the, the thing yeah. is in the knowing and the not knowing, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I just like, I feel like maybe Phillips wouldn't fucking know. He would just be like, I don't know. It's eh, there's a lot in there, right? It's complicated. One one additional fun little note is that uh, Jason Concepcion, he's uh, one of the podcasters for The Ringer. He mentioned that like just the inability of this Joker to do anything like period. He was like, you know, this guy couldn't go to the like to the corner store and buy like a beer if his if that was his intention like this guy is a fucking mess right and he was just like how is this guy going to turn into a criminal mastermind like he <laughs> he couldn't find the next bullet for his gun <laughs> and yeah. he was just like he was just like this is not the fucking joker like it, the only possibility is that this guy is you know just a stand in basically like uh just a a prop basically you know it's just like yeah this is you know whether you like this movie or not the idea that this is like a joker origin story is like just even at face value is very laughable it's just like what no like this is not a a fucking criminal mastermind like this guy's kind of a doofus you know it's just like no (laughs) So should we make some dumb speculation why this movie seems to be <laughs> hitting uh, on some level with 
some part of the movie populace or or is it all just that I mean, people are stupid it, it, it <laughs> is the opening property. weekend it is yeah. the opening weekend so i mean there's always something to be said of like what that opening weekend looks like versus the second and third weekend and you know what word of mouth does um but you know i mean i've seen from just some of my friends reactions from absolutely loved it to this movie's a fucking nightmare to like, this is a mess and yeah, kind of in between. So, I mean, I think, I think the fact that it made this much money is, is a little surprising to me just overall. Um, but well, I, I think like I, to me, it's a confluence of a couple things that this movie sticks, but like, isn't actually successful at. And so one of them is we all know that, Generally, DC people are like, comic books are serious. This is stories for adults. This isn't little kid shit. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm sorry, what was that? I I was going to say, I definitely saw someone that was just like, eat it, Marvel, you, you and your cotton candy, <laughs> like bullshit. Like, this is a real fucking movie. And I was right. just like, well, oh, so, Jesus so Christ, there's that, unfriend you. <laughs> there's that DC bullshit, which is like one of the reasons that like, you know, the Dark Knight and the whole Dark Knight trilogy was like the greatest gift and the greatest curse ever <laughs> bestowed upon cinema because it did show that you could treat these things seriously and it brought a lot of people into the game, but it's also unleashed this hell that we're living in now. And so the grim dark. Right. Stuff. And so I think that and Marvel has pushed against the grim dark, which has gone in the opposite direction because now all this stuff is like bullshit, puddle deep nonsense. So I think you have the people who are the DC fanboys who are like, this is what I want, a Snyder cut, whatever. And then you have the people like, um, I don't know, the critics at the festivals who are like, when will comic books evolve into cinema? You know, when will they become a way not just to to say like, you know, to entertain children, but to comment on society <laughs> in a meaningful way? And and I think you that, that you just yourself. have you just have the people who are like, I don't know, it's October. Joaquin Phoenix is fucking crazy. It's Joker. The trailer was pretty good, which I'll say the trailers of this movie, I saw it and I was like, oh, this could mm -hmm. be good. Yeah. I was really yeah. nervous that I was gonna get in a shouting match with Michael. <laughs> and I would have to scream something like, I don't care if it's Todd Phillips, he's struck upon something like in the zeitgeist. But again, <laughs> As a person who researches and reads up way too much on how people are radicalized, I just I, I feel like this movie is another botched attempt to get at something meaningful. And uh, and all that just it's a confluence of a bunch of bullshit. And now we have it and it beat Justice League at the, the box office. There's one minor thing I wanted to touch on uh, having to do with the soundtrack choices. Mm hmm which are, I think, exclusively bad, uh, which is something that <laughs> is, you know, kind of a Todd Phillips staple when he's trying to be serious. I don't know if any of you saw his previous attempt, War Dogs. Yeah, I reviewed it. <laughs> I did not. I did not see War Dogs. <laughs> I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, Jonah Hill is good in it, but otherwise it's bad. And it, it, it's one of those movies where, like, every obvious music choice that could possibly be made is made. Like, he, they're, yeah. they're rescued by the U.S. military from a conflict and fortunate son by Credence Clearwater Place. No. Like, it, it's that. Yep obvious and this one has a number of those picks like send in the clowns which i feel phillips probably does not know what that song is actually about okay wait <laughs> i i just need to break in because i was gonna play that in fact i am gonna play it at the end of this show i found 
a version, you know, Frank Sinatra sending the clowns. And the first 30 seconds of this are audio of Frank Sinatra talking about this song and what it's about. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, it's about someone leaving a relationship. Yeah, it's about like how how life makes fools of us all. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, Phillips, I think 100 percent has no idea what the song is about. Um, and then it he just also has uses, the word clowns in it. Yeah. And he also <laughs> uses smile in a really silly and obvious way. Um, and I think the score in general is overbearing and often kind of undercuts Phoenix's performance. There's one soundtrack choice that briefly, <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have no context, it briefly works. If you do have context, it's uh, mortifying. So uh, there's a different GG, not GG Allen, but Gary Glitter, uh, who is used in this, Rock and Roll oh, Part yeah. 2. If those who don't know it, it's the song that's played at a million different yeah yeah that one exactly you might have noticed over the last decade it hasn't been playing at as many at uh football games reason being that in the late 90s gary glitter the writer of the song and performer was uh found with like megatons of child pornography and has since been convicted many times over of ch- being a child molester so you'd think that oh someone would pull phillips to the side and say uh hey uh you want to pick a different song <laughs> <laughs> because like in England, I think in America, like a lot of people just they only know the one song and uh, maybe the unfortunately titled Do You Want to Touch Me, which they'd better they'd know better for like Joan Jett's version. Uh, but in England, like he was far more popular until he became like one of the most reviled figures in, in uh, media. And uh, I feel like someone should have known better, uh, though. There's al- always the possibility that it's being used intentionally just as an edgelord thing because it's Todd Phillips. But uh, I don't know. just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. um, Who would have thought that a man named Gary Glitter would ever (laughs) do something untoward? Um, It's also weird because I don't know what, why it like that. It's not like he's dancing to that song. His Hmm. dance doesn't it's you know it's the kind of dance you make when you're like um so we don't know what we're going to be able to get the rights to yet so if you could just do whatever you know we'll 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 figure out something like you could do, you could do almost anything else um isn't it more of thrusting is can it really be called a dance <laughs> he i don't know he like tilts back it's like there's like a slight <laughs> balletic quality there's, to it when he's definitely... in the bathroom by the time he's on the stairs yes. he's like kind of crazy dancing you know like it's i don't know it's weird um what was i gonna say there's definitely uh, a dance choreographer i find it funny reference. that um that these these uh these co- wall street guys would <laughs> be so well versed with a steven sondheim <laughs> classic from 1973 the second and third verse too right. i mean the song was a Kyle big Turner hit but this. yeah it's a little much to buy but like i like that's like okay so i guess i guess like the it's just kind of weird to me because, like, I I could probably walk up to someone and sing most of Les Miserables before assaulting them, but <laughs> but what are the odds that these like douchey Wall Street guys would remember all the words to send in the clowns, you know? And just and not even just they wouldn't start with just like walking up to him being like send in the clowns. They were like, okay, I've got to get the whole first verse in, right? <laughs> I really got to get the whole like we made a pair swinging in the air like you know that's just so stupid so you so want it down with the sickness instead 
Yes, that is one hundred percent. No, there need this. This movie needs ICP. There's well, no it's ICP the eighties or seventies, right? So maybe like Iggy Pop and the Stooges. It's eighty one. Kiss, Kiss, Kiss would be good. Oh, Kiss. Oh yeah. man, he should have. He should have danced to rock and roll all night. Then you would have just had the problem of Gene Simmons being an asshole. Like that's all you would have had to deal with. Right, Gene Simmons is a weird conservative asshole, but that's not as bad as. What what did you say? Literally, Gigatons of child pornography? Literally, literally <laughs> convicted many times over of like, and not just in England, in Vietnam. Like, go read up oh, on the Gary God. Glitter. Like, he went to several different countries after getting out of prison in the late nineties, and they all either deported him or tried to arrest him for like being with underage girls. And then he came back to England, and now he's in prison again. Okay, Jeez. so like, it's not like. It's not an obscure thing. Like it's, it, it's really, really bad. I've never heard of this before, and I am scandalized. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really curious. Like, what is the reality of when someone is really, really bad, like Gary Glitter, and still has a song that is played openly in some places? Like, what do we as a society do with the income that that person like kind of has a right to like that sounds really stupid so to so, be like oh <laughs> you're a fucking criminal for something unrelated to the music so like you're not going to get any of that well here's right? the thing i like, mean if he like, was subject like, to a civil suit maybe his his wages are garnished you know, mm-hmm. um he maybe have to pay back court fees in the case of any recording artist i assume that they're getting royally fucked over by the music studio. No, so no, maybe- no. This this guy's like making a lot. Like from what I heard briefly, he still like earns a pretty penny, or well, still has a a pretty penny. Because there's like, rules against being able to profit off of your crime. You know, so like you can't say yeah, yeah, I'm going to make a million dollars by giving away like the interview rights to talk about how I murdered those people. Uh-huh. And, but, and that's what I'm saying. The, the music is completely unrelated to his crime. Right, so I right? guess I, that's one of the reasons why we uh, we 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 try to cancel people. <laughs> um, you know, luckily, didn't Michael Jackson like sell all of his song rights to? No, it's the other way no, around. He bought the Beatles. The Beatles uh, sold all their song rights to Michael Jackson. So you no, can't listen to Michael Jackson it. or the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, he bought them from somebody else. And that that was unfortunately. Now I, I haven't done enough research to to fully confirm this, but the heavy rumor is that McCartney basically talked to Michael about, um, the, like, hey, this is a great idea. Like, this is what I do. I buy like high school bands like marching music, and then every time they use it, they have to pay me. So this is a great idea. And then Michael Jackson took that and was basically like, "Well, fuck you, McCartney. I'm going to buy all your music." And it's just like, oh, shit, that's not what I meant for you to do. Yeah, it ended their friendship. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's some weird shit. That's pretty fucked I, up. Welcome to I, the music I podcast love, that we've started. Yeah, I love that this is where we ended up. <laughs> I was trying so to – there were there were there was another – so yeah, Rock and Roll Part 2 was a weird choice. I think uh, White Room. Yeah. White Room. Was also a weird white. choice. Yeah. God, that song. That song's so good, though. But it's yeah, such I, like white, like Ginger Baker just died too. I so know. Yeah. Timing. Also, I mean, <clears throat> there was a part of me that was like, "Is this? Are they talking about like a sanitarium?" 
I was like, oh, I can't deal with this. This Ugh. is just dumb. So, yeah, we you were. Are, we've, yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about this movie. Um, do, does any Max? Did you have any other things that you wanted to like expiate from your soul regarding this movie <laughs> before we wrap up? I mean, it's just it's such an empty experience. I mean, if anyone other than Phoenix were cast, I probably would have completely hated this. I like if Lego. Well, oh well, I mean. Yeah, instead of casting the best American actor working right now, cast the worst American actor working right now. Yeah, that'd be, that would be a different uh, a different choice. Um, Imagine Suicide Remy? Squad with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine it would be all that much better. Um, but like, well, even like an actor I don't hate, like I'm, I'm just pulling a name out of thin air. Bradley Cooper is a producer on this. Imagining him in the role and like you imagined it would be just a nightmare to watch. But like Phoenix is really the only thing giving this anything close to a pulse. Otherwise, it's just a big, loud nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say uh, – sorry. I, I, I have heard some people say the score in this is amazing. Oh, it it's, like, it's like a beige version of Michael uh, Levy and Johan Johansson. It, I, it, it is, I think it's that, really sad because she did uh, Chernobyl's music, which I yeah. thought was actually really pretty interesting. Um, whatever my misgivings about that show are, like, it's, it's it, I don't know, like that was just another. That's an, uh, one thing I've heard a lot about talking, and we since we already talked about Lawrence Sher, I just thought we should make a last mention of the score. Here's the thing: I say this often about scores that a lot of times the reason that a score lives on in our minds is that um. It reminds us of the experience of seeing the movie. So, you know, if the Imperial March just was released as a single <laughs> at some point, you know, um, it, it would be weird for that to be, you know, a thing. Like, you know, people would be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like dun, 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 dun. Because then you're like, okay, I can hear that, but I don't think it's particularly good. But in our minds, we will forever see the Stormtroopers and Darth Vader uh jaws you know great score evocative but without that fucking shark coming up and biting someone at the end of it it's just a generalized anxiety and so i think that like if this score were on a better movie it would be a better score i think that scores and the films that they're in are almost intrinsically linked in that way like i love the score to the fountain but without being able to envision Hugh Jackman exploding into stardust and a tree blossoming you know i just don't think that it would hit me as hard so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be too hard on the score. You know, I think it's. I think it's fine. I think that in a better movie with like applied to better pieces and strung with some more emotional intensity and logic, uh, it could be very good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I felt like I needed to stand up for the person who wrote this score, but no, uh, that's, I just did. Yeah, well, you really like Chernobyl. I know that. I did love Chernobyl. Chernobyl. <laughs> um, another another thing that I have a personal connection to. Uh, so yeah, I think um, I think we're done. I think we're good. No, 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 no. no. Oh, wait. Yeah, we got. Okay. Really quickly, because we have been going for a while. Let's play the does the dog die dot com. Thank you, Bill, for always remembering this. I actually already had the site up and I was still like, uh, I think we're done. Um, So here we go. Max, this works. I hold the fact that I said, no, 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 no. And you were like, oh, yeah, does the dog die? (laughs) Max, do you know what does the dog die dot com is? I, I I am familiar with the website. Yes. Okay. okay perfect. So, um, for anyone at home who doesn't know, this is the uh, crowdsourced emotional support spoilers site. 
And uh, so we're we're gonna we're gonna look at this. We're gonna ask some questions. We're gonna see if we can all get the answers. I want everyone to remember the rules, which are: I will ask the question. Each of you has to decide and lock in your answer, yes or no. Then I will tell you if you are right according to DoesTheDogDie.com. First question: and, Does uh, well, hold on, hold on. I always give our guests the the information just just so they are not blindsided. Um, the responses are actually quite articulate and usually like go uh, very insightful beyond what you would expect. So if you're if you're thinking a, a hard no or a hard yes, think harder. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I do remember this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, cuz again, this isn't this these are people who believe that they are performing a very dire public service. So, first question. <laughs> as always, does the dog die? <clears throat> Uh, There's not a single fucking dog in this movie. <laughs> I Wait. don't remember a dog. There's definitely someone yelling shut up in the apartment complex, but they're yelling that at Joaquin. Hmm. Hmm. Not at a dog. All right. Yes. I, I think uh, dogs are safe in this. All right. So everyone's answer is no. And that lines up with DoesTheDogDie.com. <laughs> 17 no's. Uh, the top comment by Kelly C. There are no animals in this movie. First of all, Kelly, incorrect. There are super rats. <laughs> <laughs> Who are not in the movie. Which is... There are two what? rats that, that scurry... There's two rats that scurry in a background scene, and I was like, are those the super rats? They could have had a cameo from Pizza Rat. I mean, they, come they, on. They, they did, someone did mention in one of the podcasts I listened to that they were the only super super things about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no superheroes. Yes, super rats. All right. Uh, here's another one. Are needles slash syringes used? <clears throat> Here's another yeah. where I, I don't remember any. We, we don't see Penny ever actually like ejected, but she's. <sighs> or do we in the in the ambulance? No, no. But in the ambulance, yeah. do we see her like stuck with anything? <laughs> I mean, that's that's I don't know. Like, that's usually because right, remember, the question food, isn't are right? they present? It's are they used? <sighs> I mean, uh, if, if they're are they are used, then that's like IV 101, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to steal Bill's answer and say yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say they're in the hospital scene, but that's probably all I can think of. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, 1 to 14, yeah, the answer is no. What? Yeah. Lucy Lupus puts it thusly, there are many scenes in medical and psychiatric hospitals. There are drips and tubes, but no needles are seen entering a person. God yeah, damn it. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, look, Michael is freaking out. Let's regain some of your confidence. Here's an easy one. Are there clowns? <laughs> aren't, aren't we all for paying money? I mean, there is someone running for mayor of uh, Gotham, so. Uh, uh, yeah, there are clowns. Michael <laughs> Snydell, your answer? Sure. All right. The answer, 23 to 2. Yes, there are clowns. Who are the two? I don't know. I can't, 
You know, I was. This is just a little aside. Uh, we have a we have a friend who has a fear of clowns, and so obviously she can't see things like it. But Wait, I'm is really she all of our friend, or is she way. your friend? No, she's my friend. You said we have a friend, and I was like, oh, I don't think I, we have mutual talking friends. About me, me and my girlfriend. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was trying to pull a bill, you know, I, <laughs> but I. She's not my fiance, Bill. Um, so anyway, yeah, we have a friend who's afraid of clowns, and I'm really curious whether she would be unable to see this movie as well. Like, she can't obviously see like it or yes. like. Oh, that's that's one thing. The, uh, the another podcast mentioned was uh, the ability of Joaquin Phoenix to run in those giant fucking shoes is uh, <laughs> like bravo. Bro. What's also crazy like, is that every time he runs, really he dumb. runs like he does when he's in those shoes. Yes, which lets you know I, that the bulk of his running is done in those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joaquin Phoenix not going to replace Tom Cruise as a world class runner. <laughs> 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 All right, let's see another one. <clears throat> Does someone die by suicide? I mean, assisted suicide. Oh, Jesus. Come on, <laughs> Michael. That's not assisted. She did not Michael, ask just because you that. murder someone in a hospital doesn't mean you've assisted their suicide. <laughs> I'm saying no. Uh, I, I, I guess no. Wayne, or Thomas Wayne was that definitely asking for it. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus! Wow, <laughs> Look, when you call people clowns, a motherfucker's got to get shot. Um, the answer is no. Two to ten. I want to know who these people are. I wonder if the other comments will say nobody dies by suicide, but it is a very heavy theme. The, these these two are the. Uh, Oh god damn it! I can't remember anybody's fucking name. Who's who's the the uh, black film critic that's always uh, Armand White? Like, yeah, these these two fucking chuckleheads are are the Armand White of uh, DoesTheDogDie.com. <laughs> They're just like, huh? Oh, everybody agrees. Kyle Smith and Armand White. <laughs> All right. Uh, it actually yeah, that, just is Kyle Smith and Armand White. <laughs> yeah, they come on to Does the Dog Die and just are like, there can be no consensus. All right, here's a question. Uh, Let's do, we'll do like two or three more. Does someone have an eating disorder? We never specifically see it, but it is kind of hinted that Joaquin Phoenix doesn't really eat, but that is also because he's probably poor as fuck. And so like he feeds his mother instead of feeding himself. Um, and he does have a fridge full of shit at some point because he definitely empties that fridge and then climbs inside of it, which I thought was – I didn't know what to make of that fucking I thought sequence, he was killing was, himself because you, know, I, you you could die in those old fridges because they locked shut and were airtight. Oh, fuck. I thought it was just him closing himself off, uh, honestly. I, I, didn't, I didn't even think of – because it doesn't seem like one of those really old fridges, I don't think. Yeah. It does. It does have that weird fucking handle at the top. So yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't think that 1981 apartment came with uh, upgraded appliances recently. Stainless so. steel, a Viking range. <laughs> Not I'm a working gonna elevator. Yes. But... I'm going to say yes on the eating disorder. Then. All right, Michael Snydell. Um, you know, I'm wondering if there's anything in the document that Brian Tyree Henry is looking at. 
Mm. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say yes. Wait, I don't know. Bill Graham. Wait, all right, no, Michael Slido, yes. lock in an answer. I'm saying yes. Fine. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Bill Graham, lock in an answer. I'm saying no. We oh. don't actually see anything that's the specifically explored. Bill, you do this to yourself all the time in this game. You literally basically word for word said the top comment and still got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the answer nine to one is yes. There are no eating disorders specifically mentioned, but a man is told that he needs to eat because he looks too skinny. <laughs> like that's then that's a no. There, it's not an eating disorder if you're just told you need to eat. That's like I I I get told that by some of my family members and, and like I have less than a size thirty inch waist. Like go fuck yourself. Like sorry, I don't need to eat. I'm fine. <laughs> I think Bill is secretly I can the squat one who is four hundred pounds. Like what do you, you need want to have? It does the dog die.com for this show. <laughs> All right, here's the last one. Okay. I think. Um, does someone self-harm? Fuck. Um, Phoenix hits his head on a phone booth and cracks a glass, so that alone I think is a yes. Ooh. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was a trailer shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and when he hits it, the glass cracks, which lets you know that but society he was, he was is broken with- too. He was wearing the clown wig thing, which like gave him a surface between the glass and so his you head. Made a- <laughs> I'm just saying, because we don't see him bleeding. Because usually, when you headbutt something, you start to bleed, especially if it's fucking glass. Okay, and- all right. So you're saying that if if you have enough padding, it doesn't count as self harm. I mean, you're not you're not harming yourself at a certain point, right? Okay, you're just... that's an that's an answer. Uh, so so Max <laughs> says yes. Michael Snydell, what do you say? Uh, I, I'm going to say yes. Bill Graham. Yes, yes, okay. self harming. <laughs> Way to not talk your out of, yourself out of it this time. The answer, fourteen to one, is yes. Arthur roughly hits his head into walls and windows. Oh, he also kicks like a a bunch okay. of trash bags. And he also punches the. Uh, oh yeah, the punching clock. Yeah, the punching clock. <laughs> he, and he that, that was that was funny. That, that was like, that was I, actually I, a good. Yeah, it was good. Um, and he uh, what? Oh damn it! I just had a joke and now I can't remember it. <laughs> oh, he walked into that door at the hospital. That had to hurt himself, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't do that on purpose. That was hey, man, they didn't say purposeful self harm. They just said. Oh my god! Damn it! That's that's that other wrinkle that we're talking about, man. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, I forgot. This is the the other question yes, that we have to ask the at the end of every game, and I need I need a snap judgment answer from all of you on this because we're we're dangerously over the limit here. Does it not have a happy ending? Yes or no, oh, Max? Uh, no. Michael Snydell. Uh, Does it not have a happy ending? Y- yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always forget. Bill Graham, <laughs> does it not have a happy is. ending? So it does have a happy <laughs> So it doesn't have a... Does it not have a happy ending? <laughs> the syntactical nightmare it, of this question. Yeah. Does it have a happy ending? No. Does it not have a happy ending? Yes! <laughs> I don't Yes. Okay. Sixteen to two. Yes the answer to. is yes. To does it not have a happy ending? 
Is there anything cited? No, there is no comment. <laughs> That's <laughs> does dog the dog die dot com game. Thank you, Bill, for reminding <laughs> us to play that. Always a pleasure. We have been talking for two hours and 14 minutes. We have got to go. So I'll skip gleefully through all the other bullshit at the end. Don't forget to go to movie.com slash film stage show for your free 30 day trial of movie. M-U-B-I.com slash film stage. That will give you free 30, free, three. That will give you 30 days free for you to enjoy all the stuff that we talked about earlier, including leaving at midnight tonight. Start up. Not to mention uh, Lords of Salem which uh, Michael Snydell has talked about, as well as yeah. The Broken Circle Breakdown. Again, all you got to do for your free 30-day trial is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And uh, next week, we're back to talk about Gemini Man. Yeah. film starring uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. And Will Smith. <laughs> Clive Owen. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Probably someone else I'm forgetting. Um, but that's it for today. Uh, let's uh, tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Max Connell, thank you so much for joining us. Tell the people at home where you can be found. Uh, I am going to have a piece on Phoenix's career uh, published at RogerEbert.com. Should be this week. All right. Great. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter or you don't want that? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Max B. O'Connell uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. All right. Excellent. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me definitely eating food. I'm not skinny. Um, at, Mom. Uh, yeah, on the Slack <laughs> channel, mixing it up, having fun. Yeah, uh, as, a, as an Italian or a guy from an Italian family, Bill, I can tell you, you're either anorexic or you're grossly overweight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's how it goes. Uh, Michael Snydell. Uh, y- you can find me eating the perfect amount on Twitter <laughs> at, at Snydell. Uh, I'm still doing Hooptober stuff. I watched uh, Candyman, which I know Max has some uh, some polarizing opinions about. Oh, but, yeah, I'm not uh, a fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really liked it. But uh, what, what else? I wrote about First Love, Takashi Amike's new film at The Spool. And uh, starting soon is the Chicago International Film Festival, which uh, Max and I will be doing a podcast on some point (laughs) this month. But uh, yeah, so look forward to that. All right. And you can find me tweeting about society on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, my personal site, brianjrowan.com. Uh, my Instagram, Brian J. Rowan, pick up the pattern. You'll know where to find me. Um, snake. I'm gonna, what was that? Oh, snake. <laughs> oh, snack. The snake is doing great. Okay, good. Uh, he had his second shed. Oh, great. It all came off in one piece, which means he's happy, healthy and growing well. Um, t- <laughs> join uh, our Slack channel by giving it patreon.com slash film show to see the occasional picture of snack. The snake. And um, I think that's it. You can find every episode of this podcast at thefilmstage.com. I will also be attempting to write at some point a uh, an, ar- an article, an essay or something about how The Dark Knight Rises did everything this movie did only better. Um, if I can find the energy to throw my voice into this discourse. Because after having that idea, I immediately said, oh, God, I'm so tired. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, despite the clicks, I think I'd be happier writing about stuff that no one would actually read. Um, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, again, remember, talking about Gemini Man, 
between now and then, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. And we said society 18 times. Actually, and if you want 19. a better, sorry. And if you want a better film uh, to watch uh, instead of Joker, go rent Brian Yosna's society. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say uh, Nightcrawler as well. <laughs> Just <laughs> prestige actors getting really skinny and hurting people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it rich? Isn't it queer? Losing my timing this late in...